Welcome back. It's season two, episode 35 of Hawkeye Talk with Jimmy Hawk. Took a short little break there with football off and basketball on a nine-day break. Took a little extended weekend getaway, but did get to watch the Iowa-Iowa State basketball game. Wanted to throw out a few thoughts about that game, as well as some football news we've heard over the last few days. So let's go ahead and get started with the Iowa State game. Get that one out of the way. The Hawkeyes were absolutely dismantled by the Cyclones and Ames. And I did not see that coming at all. I had become concerned about this game with some of the wins that Iowa State had been racking up lately. They seemed like kind of a gritty team. Um, played some pretty good competition. And obviously they were in their top 20. So this was going to be a concerning game. I thought the Hawkeyes still had the talent to be able to win that game. I was concerned, though, especially after that Illinois game and the Hawkeyes' lack of rebounding. You know, that was a game that I thought the Hawkeyes really could have won, but rebounding really stood out in that game. Horrible effort by the Hawkeyes on the boards, and then the three-point shooting wasn't great for the Hawkeyes. They did hit their last three, so it made it look a little bit better than it was. It kind of kept them in the game, keeping it close near the end. Uh, And Illinois got quite a few easy three-pointers in that game, so that had me a bit concerned as well. Kind of a similar story against the Cyclones, much more amplified uh, because the Hawkeyes only made 17 field goals in the entire game, shooting 27%, just 5 of 27 from 3, 19%. So that's just horrid on the shooting side of it. Uh, On a positive note, the Hawkeyes did hit 14 to 15 free throws in this game, but it didn't really mean anything, you know, when they were shooting from the field so poorly. Rebounding though, again, was just a big, big issue for the Hawkeyes. The Cyclones are not a big team either. They go 6'9", 6'8", 6'4", 6' foot. They're really a smaller team than Iowa as far as height. Maybe a little bit more girth than the Hawkeyes, but not really. And, and height isn't what matters you know, when it comes to rebounding. It's obviously a factor. If you're seven feet tall, you're probably not going to give up a rebound to a guy that's 6'3", 6'4". But I'll dig into that a little bit more in a little bit, but Iowa really, if you look at some of the other statistics, uncharacteristic 12 turnovers in this game. They had a hard time handling that Iowa State defense that was just up in their face all game long, but Iowa State had 16 turnovers. So the Hawkeyes did win that category despite having more turnovers than they're accustomed to. And Iowa State shot 43% from the field, not great from three, 32% on eight of 25. They're just not a great shooting team. They're not a great scoring team. They play defense, they rebound, and they make their opponents really work for every basket. One more, you know, drill down on rebound. I, rebounding, Iowa had four offensive rebounds to 13 for Iowa State at halftime, and that is just frustrating. Coming out of the game, not hitting the boards, giving your opponent that many second-chance points opportunities at least for points and, and and it really hurt the Hawkeyes. Overall, the rebounding was 28 to 10 at the half. The Hawkeyes were just getting blown out of the boards. It ended 32 to 50 in favor of the Cyclones, 15 to 21. Uh, the Cyclones had more offensive rebounds. So the Hawkeyes really went after the offensive rebounds in the second half. I'm sure they got a an earful at halftime, but just not acceptable to come out in the first half and be out rebounded like they were, especially giving up so many defensive rebounds. Iowa State's leading rebounder with 10 was 6'4", Isaiah Brockington. Again, it's not a height height thing. He's a lean 6'4", 
six four guy. He was just hustling, getting after boards. He's averaging close to eight on the season. Next was six foot, flat, six zero, Tyrese Hunter. He had eight. And you know, he may be really five ten or five eleven. He's averaging three per game, but he had eight rebounds against the hot guys. And then the six eight guys, one from the Netherlands, one from Slovenia. They were next with six each. Not a matter of height. Iowa has six nine, six nine, six eight. And then with Toussaint and Jabo, just six foot and six one. But when they're subbed out, the backup guards who played a lot of minutes in this game, Perkins six four, Eula six three, not to mention Sanford is at is six seven, Murray six eight, Connor McCaffrey six five. It's not a small team. And they can go bigger with Josh Agundale. He's six eleven, wide body, Mulvey six eleven. Agundale just played a little bit at the end. Um, I don't think they really thought that was the solution here. They just need guys boxing out using skills they've been taught since they were kids and just really getting after it, getting after loose balls, getting tip balls, uh, playing with reckless abandon on the defensive boards especially, and just knowing angles. I, you know, So many times you see a guy lined up shooting a three, and then you see the other team, a guy from the other team, going to the other side of the rim and getting the putback or getting the rebound, keeping one alive, and our guy hasn't boxed out. And, you know, that's getting frustrating to see. It's concerning, very correctable. Um, but, you know, we've seen some issues in the past that seemed correctable uh, that maybe didn't get fixed to the level that it should have or could have. But they really need to fix this, or it's going to be hard to win games in the Big Ten. Iowa fans also are just used to teams that dominate the boards. Guys, you know, <laughs> if you go back, uh, Kent Hill, uh, Ed Horton, Reggie Evans. Now, he wasn't the tallest guy, but he was going to get every rebound in his area. Same with Greg Bruner. I mean, Greg Bruner was listed at 6'7". He was probably 6'5". And that guy was just an animal on the boards. And if you go even you know, more recently, Nicholas Bear, when he was out on the court, any, any loose ball rebound near him, he was going after it with 100% effort. And it's an interesting storyline to watch. LeBron James has been quoted saying rebounding is 80% heart, 20% skill. And then he said, maybe it's even 90% heart, 10% skill. And Dennis Rodman, the worm, he was 6'7". He was listed at 6'7", at least in the NBA. He was the best rebounder in the league. And he said the reason why is he's hungrier than the other guys, and every rebound is a personal challenge. The Hawkeyes aren't going to have a worm on their team, but... You know, they can have guys that are getting after a little bit more and, and getting some more rebounds and boxing out, doing the fundamental things they need to do. The Hawkeyes have another tough game coming up, and, you know, nice little break. I guess a physical break. Uh, no game for nine days, but it's finals week, so they're having to take tests and, and turn in papers this week. But they could really use a quality win, especially Virginia has lost another game, and it's not looking like as good of a win as um, the Hawkeyes did have at Virginia earlier in the year. For Iowa State, it was former Nittany Lions senior transfer Isaiah Brockington, 11 of 14 shooting. He made his first nine shots of the game. He had 29 points to go with 10 rebounds, two assists. He was the story of the game. Man, he just lit the Hawkeyes up. Freshman guard Hunter had 11 points, eight rebounds, six assists. And it's just interesting how Iowa State has pieced this team together with transfers in such a short period of time. But Keegan Murray, 
for the Hawkeyes is four of 17 shooting. He was just just not feeling it in this game for whatever reason. He played 37 minutes. He was one of six from three, nine points, seven rebounds. Jordan Bohannon, 17 points. He was three of eight from three. Um, Patrick McCaffrey, seven points. He was just two of nine from the floor, one of five from three. Rebracha had seven points, four rebounds. And again, I mean, I've said this about every week now. We need to get him more aggressive offensively. He needs to go after more rebounds, uh, you know, more aggressively as well. But on the offensive end, he's just not taking enough shots. He had a nice dunk in this game. And I like what we see of him. He just doesn't seem real assertive on the offensive side of the court right now. Joe Tucson, he had some rough turnovers early on. Seemed kind of lost out there. He was scoreless in 12 minutes. Tony Perkins had nine off the bench, but he was 0 of 3 from 3. 3 of 10 overall, Chris Murray. He had four points. He was also 0 of 3, shooting three-pointers, and 2 of 6 overall. So that's it, scoring from the bench. Two guys with 13 points, and this bench has been, has been scoring a lot for the Hawkeyes this year. Well, the Hawkeyes have to forget this one. It's a 20-point loss, 53-73 to to the in-state rival Iowa State Cyclones. The Clones won a total of two games last year, and they're now somehow 10-0 after an ugly 47-37 win over Jackson State on Sunday. It'll be interesting to see what they do in the Big 12 Conference. I mean, I think Kansas is just going to roll over them both times. I, I know they're – I just don't think they have the horses to run even close to teams like Kansas, but it's going to be interesting to see. Not a great offensive team, but they, they get after it on the defensive end of the court. Pretty impressive how first-year coach T.J. Otzelberger has done a nice job um, putting together this ragtag group, ragtag group of transfers and misfits to win some pretty big games and already have eight more wins than they had last season. Well, what's up next for the Hawkeyes? It's Utah State, the Aggies, a Mountain West team that's sitting at 7-3 and three like the Hawkeyes. They've beaten Richmond on the road in Maryland. They beat Penn, New Mexico State, and Oklahoma on a neutral court, a tournament in South Carolina, Myrtle Beach. But they have lost two of the last three, one to the St. Mary's Gales at home, and then to BYU on the road. Now, St. Mary's is not a bad team. They're 9-2. and two. Their only losses are to Wisconsin and Colorado State. They have wins over Oregon and Notre Dame. So this is going to be a battle at the Sanford Pentagon in Sioux Falls, South Dakota on Saturday, December 18th. The guys to watch in this game for the Aggies, senior Justin Bean, he's 6'7", 210 pounds, averaging 21 points per game, 11 rebounds. He's averaging a double-double, shooting 66% from the floor. I believe he's shooting over 50% from three. And then 6'10", senior Brandon Horvath, he averages close to 13 points, five rebounds a game. He's shooting 52% from the field. Junior guard Ryland Jones averaging nine points, six assists per game. So those are the guys to watch. Bean, Horvath, and Jones for the Aggies. What should we expect on Saturday from the Hawkeyes? Hopefully this team is fired up, ready to play some defense, rebound the basketball. You know, a little bit refreshed, not thinking too much on the offensive side of the ball, letting it fly and, you know, making some threes, getting a lot of transition baskets, just just letting the offense go um, like they have earlier in the season. You know, this is a team the Hawkeyes should beat, but if they don't rebound, you know, especially on that defensive side of the ball, this is going to be a really, really tough game. 
the veteran team that the Hawkeyes are playing, one that's been tested on the road and on neutral courts, and they have not backed down against good competition. So get ready for a battle on Saturday in Sioux Falls. So the Hawkeyes are getting a nice break, although also finishing up finals this week. I expect them to be ready to go on Saturday, getting a win before they have a couple of home games. Southeast Louisiana, Western Illinois, so hopefully getting that record to 10-3 and before it's back to the grind. And the Big Ten, the Hawkeyes will be hosting 6-4 six, six and four Maryland and interim head coach Danny Manning at Carver Hawkeye Arena. And, you know, Maryland... They have a new coach. They're coming off a nice bounce-back win over Florida after they'd had three straight losses. Um, so interesting to see what the Hawkeyes have ahead of them, and hopefully they can get that big win on Saturday and get things rolling in the right direction again. Let's talk a little bit of football. Tyler Linderbaum just keeps winning awards. He won the Remington Trophy for the best center in college football. You know, I noticed he did not win the Outland Trophy, which is for the best interior lineman, either on the offensive side of the ball or defensive side of the ball. So I'm not sure how they pick, you know, if they're going to go with an offensive guy or a defensive guy. Um, this year it was a defensive tackle that got it. But, hey, he was a consensus All-American. Now, three years in a row, the Hawkeyes have had a consensus All-American football player. That's just amazing. Davion Nixon last year. And, you know, congratulations to Tyler Linderbaum. What a career he has had in Iowa City. Just glad to see him getting the recognition he deserves. I'm assuming he's going to go pro. Um, who knows? He hasn't made any kind of declaration yet. I know he loves being a Hawkeye, loves representing this state um, and wearing that Tiger Hawk. So it's going to be interesting, but I think he's probably going to be a, a first-round draft pick and likely will be heading to the NFL. Riley Moss, Caleb Shudak, uh, they joined Linderbaum on the AP All-American third team. Uh, Linderbaum was a first-teamer, so there's been quite a few guys uh, getting recognition. Jack Campbell's gotten some recognition. Um, so that's been really fun to see. And then in the transfer portal, Tyrone Tracy received an offer from Purdue. He's from Indiana. A lot of people expect He's probably going to go to Purdue, have six or seven catches against the Hawkeyes next time Next time those two teams meet. But it'll be interesting to see, wish Tyrone Tracy the best and uh, success wherever he goes, except if he plays the Hawkeyes, of course. Tyler Goodson, it is all good, son. He declared for the NFL draft, announced he's not playing in the Citrus Bowl. And, you know, I understand his desire to get to the NFL. Sure, that's been his goal all along. I really like it when guys elect to play in the bowl game, finish out their career with their team, but that's his choice. I respect that. Nothing I'm I'm too concerned with there. Um, we've seen that in the past, not not too often, but we have seen it. Uh, Noah Fant uh, was the most recent one. I think he's the only other one that hasn't played in the bowl game. But I'm excited now to see how Gavin and Lashawn Williams will do in this bowl game. Maybe even Devin Hilson uh, or somebody we don't, we, we're not ready for. But just to kind of see, we've seen quite a bit of Gavin, Gavin Williams. Um, maybe we'll see more of LaShawn, get a better idea of what we have coming back, at that running back position next year. So that's going to be fun to see in the Citrus Bowl. I don't get a ton into recruiting. You know, until they've signed on the dotted line, 
I don't follow it a ton, just a little bit. Um, things change so much. You know, you never know how a kid's career is going to pan out. But seeing Xavier Wampa, the Southeast Poke stud safety pick the Hawkeyes, was a really great feeling the other day. You couldn't help but feel like this was going to have an impact on this 2022 Hawkeye class and kind of bring it up a level, get some more commitments into the fold. You know, so far we have seen the commitment, but that was from a, for a quarterback in the class of 2023 from New Jersey, Marco Linez. And he's a four-star talent. Um, so it's good to see the Hawkeyes with an early lock on a quarterback in that 2023 class. They already have one for the 2022 class. So uh, Marco, they say that he is a good runner as well as being a pro pass type player. So uh, that's what we're all looking for, right? We want to see a little bit of mobility, guys that can make plays with their legs. And, you know, I'm expecting some more commitments in this 2022 class. And the Hawkeyes are also looking at that transfer portal, uh, potentially for offensive line players. Um, I think they're looking at a, a potential tackle maybe a center if Linderbaum goes. So it's going to be interesting to see what other players commit in this early period. It's not a huge class, not many seniors, but the Hawkeyes, as with every team out there, has had some attrition with the transfer portal. And, you know, the Hawkeyes have a few more openings than they planned on. And if they have some high-quality guys out there that want to be on this team, I'm sure the Hawkeyes will be happy to take them in and mold them into great players. So good position to be in right now. It's going to be fun on Wednesday to see which commitments the Hawkeyes get. Wampa is going to be a huge one. Well, that's all I have for football today, uh, but I'll talk a little bit more after signing day when we see that 2022 class in the early signing period. A rare nine days between basketball games, so a little bit of a break for everybody, um, giving the Hawkeyes a chance to regroup, take care of academics, Hopefully, they're going to bounce back, get that elusive win number eight of the season. The Hawkeyes were 7-0, and now 7-3. and They just need to crash those boards, get that shooting touch back, and should be able to get a win in Sioux Falls. Well, this is Jimmy Hawk. Thank you for listening, and go Hawks!